So that's how we're different from the so many other programs. Yeah, is this, the subtleties are are real to the to the to the customer to the prospective student. So from what I've heard, like you know, uh, Michigan's got a reputation for placing consultants. Yale's yep. got the policy thing. UAB, like you said, has got the hospital operations. If you had to pick one, do you think there's one that Sloan is really known for that you know this is where our guys tend to go? I think it's. I mean, historically, a lot of our graduates went to hospitals. I think with our program, it's the flexibility to go where you want to go. Yeah. Based on our ability to take classes outside of the outside of human ecology, um, and Sloan. I think that allows, you know, somebody that really wants to differentiate, really wants to get a degree that's a little bit different, they can do it here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of schools, I know they can't. I know that they can't do it. At some, I, I, I can't speak for Michigan and Minnesota. They're, I mean, they're huge schools. I don't know if they have an open campus policy. Right. In some college, in some universities, you can't go outside the, the college to take courses. So it just depends on, just depends on the university. Okay. So I'm coming, uh, you know, when I first got to Sloan, I was thinking, like, you... I'm going to go work at a hospital, and that's going to be what it's going to be. And then I kind of started to explore a little bit. We Parson and I took a class together for management consulting. And I was like, you know, I think it'd be pretty good there. Um, and then so once I tried to kind of investigate how to get involved in there, I found that I had to rely a lot on former students. And I'm just wondering, like, is there any um, – is there any plan for administration to kind of beef up the support for people that want to go into consulting? Because I feel like the hospital portion is really well established within the curriculum and or, the administration. Or, or for me, business development, yeah, tech. That's why in today's meeting we talked about re, you know revisiting the tracks, right? For precisely that reason, is the tracks. You know, we 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 looked at it seriously back in 2016. It kind of you know fell by the wayside. Um, so maybe it's a time to revisit that. To, to look at the tracks to help students. Uh, I know in the fall we're bringing somebody in that will be able to help people that are, uh, you know, and it's, it'll be a dedicated person to help people with, um, with uh, if they're interested in consulting. Yeah. I mean, not a dedicated full-time person, but somebody that can help us with, you know, prepping students for the cases, prepping students for the job requirements in the consulting field. So. And so how often is the curriculum looked at and possibly revised? Oh, it's at least every year, but we're always looking at it on the fly. We try to, you know, we always look at the, um, it's every year because of, because of two things. One, we get feedback from the students on the fly about whether a class is good or bad. Uh, you know, two, we, we go to the AUPHA meetings and we hear from our peers. You know, here's what's good, here's what's bad, are you doing this, are you doing that? And we revisit. We're always kind of actively talking about it. And then every year we do exit surveys with all the students which allows us to look back and go, okay, what went well, what didn't go well? Where can we make changes? And we've made changes every year since I've been here. And that's just, I've only been here, this will be my fourth year in the fall. And we've made changes. Mm-hmm. You know, so every year we're making subtle changes. And that's what gets us, you know, it, it makes it better, it makes it, creates a better experience for you. It helps our rankings, but it creates a better experience for, for the students because we know what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, Sean was talking the other day about having, um, a big, you know, getting students better uh, training, education, and big data. You know, so uh, my thing, I, I hear a lot of students, you know, the communications course, whether it's written or oral communications. For me, it was, it was required when I was a student. We had to take a communications class. That's no longer in the curriculum. But we've thrown that out as an important piece, you know, because some of the students are throwing that out to us. Well, you know, do, do, we, do we, you know, how come we don't have a, you know, I'd like, I'd like more, uh, with having giving, giving presentations, business writing, some of the other programs, it is required to have a communications course. But one of the balances we always looking at in Sloan 
is when I say, okay, we're going to make you take the big data class and the communications class. Well, I've just taken 12 credits, six credits out of your elective options. So from a strategic standpoint, we look at it that way. We go, all right, do we make students take these things? Do we add this to the core curriculum? Because when we do that, they lose flexibility in their ability to customize their education. So we're always balancing those changes against the one of the things that we use to differentiate our program from others. Which is having, having the, the options. The options to, to take. Tailor make your education. Tailor your education. So we always bump up against that. So in a way, sometimes, you know, we're looking at, and that, that, a lot of times that's the decision we make. We said, well, let's not make it a requirement because we don't want to take away, you know, students' ability to customize their education. So would you which say... Which is a big core selling point for us. Would you say that that in any way hinders the ability to show incoming students the different paths that are in healthcare because it's such a vast industry, right? I mean, Anand said when he came in, he didn't really give consulting too much of a thought and he almost had his mind made up as if, no, I don't want to consult. And I I know a couple of our peers who, no chance given, I don't want to consult, but you never know. And ultimately another one of our peers is now interning as an internal consultant, um, which I think that one was more, you know, throw of the dice. But Anin got to experience it because he was able to tailor make his education. But there are some students that might not even think about it, and yeah. you know they might miss out on it. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about the program. And you know, you remember, you know, I've been here for almost four years. Sean has been in his role a little bit longer than I have. So we're making these changes, and they don't happen overnight. But they are changes that we're looking at making, um, and they are opportunities. The other part is, is healthcare's. There's a lot of variety in healthcare, and you know, there's too much. There's almost. too much. Yeah. And my th- right now, my thing is to say uh, re- is get to get the incoming class. You all of you to realize, hospital is not the only place I can get a job in. If I can get that out, if that I can get that message out to 75 students, I've in a way done a lot of my job because I want you to look at the opportunities in hospitals, consulting, pharma, business development. Um, long-term care, senior living, um, you know, the ambulatory world, everything, surgery know, everything, surgery, surgery centers. centers, you know, in a way to expose you, to get you guys to realize um, that there's a world outside of the hospital environment, um, urgent care centers. That's why the, if you look at colloquium, that's what we've done at colloquium is uh, instead of having, you know, six hospital speakers, I might have one. Right. And that's partly because I, I want, I think it's important to at least start exposing you to worlds outside of the hospital environment. It, you know, whether you like it or not, it, that's uh, it's still open to, it's still out. Right. But I think it's important to for everybody to know that there's a lot of opportunities in this field if you just look. But it's a hard field to look in because you, you in a way, you're, out a lot. You, gotta fil- you're doing a lot of filtering. Yep. It's a very complex world. But instead of letting that overwhelm you and, and, and um, cause a problem, consider it an opportunity. I mean, if you don't like working in a hospital, there's, there's plenty of options for you. And that's where the location, there's so many different locations that healthcare takes place in, but also Everywhere. different roles in the same location. Yep. And you and I have had this back and forth yeah. where I'm starting to get annoyed with everyone thinking about it's only operational roles. There's right. so much more. Yeah, and I'm an operations guy. 
Right. Well, yeah. And you ref- you referred to yourself as a businessman as oh, well, businessman. which includes marketing, sales, right. and a lot of these ops roles. Running a business is a blast. Right. And but a lot of these <laughs> junior ops role bloom into some form of sales or marketing. I mean, I know you talked about recruiting providers. Oh, always. And um, you know, just you're always doing business development. Always. It's, right. it's like the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. A, always, B, B, C, club. In, 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 in the for-profit world, and even, it, this is true in all, in all of them, is business development is a very important part of the puzzle because if your business isn't growing, it's shrinking or it's flat, expenses never go down automatically. So if you're not growing your business, you're kind of dead in the water. Right. So that's kind of the mentality we, we had. Is in, and especially in the surgery center world, you're always looking for somebody you're always looking for new surgeries, new procedures, new surgeons. You're always growing the business. That mindset is, is just hard, hardwired into every surgery center administrator's head. Right. Always. So that's kind of why you know marketing was always. We were always involved in some sort of marketing, some sort of strategic endeavor to grow the business. Yeah. Business development was critical, and that's you know that's kind of what we live and die with. And do you see that being implemented in the curriculum at any time soon? Well, business development, cut the business development part. Or business development, part sales. I mean, even well, marketing, we have falls the class, into, but just kind of. You don't always. You won't necessarily get that in a specific course. Sure. I mean, you could, but that's all part of marketing strategy, even finance. Because if you have to develop a new business, you have to be able to finance some of those endeavors. And you have to be able to justify whether when you buy a new machine, a new building, or a new business, you have to be able to get the return on investment. So that, all of those things, you take all of those things, you ball them all up, and that's how you learn how to do business development. It's not always, you know, a specific course. Right. But you take what you learn in all your courses, in strategy, in marketing, in finance. Have you ever thought of it that way? Yeah. Some, some of you look at your classes at individual silos. Right. They're not silos. Absolutely. They're, 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 they're cogs. They're pieces. Sure. And if you take what you learn in a strategy class, in a marketing class, finance, and you learn how to ball all that up, all of a sudden, now you've learned how to do business development, for example. That's the way I, I looked at my education. Mm-hmm. Is Sloan gave me a lot of tools to be able to do my job effectively. And it did. It gave me the tools. You know, when I started, I went into a surgery center. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I did. But the nurses let me know I didn't. <laughs> so, the and nurses I still will like, always let you know. They will always let you know. And lucky they did it in a very good way. But they, you know, it, it gave me tools to walk into a situation, to be overwhelmed, not know what I was doing, then realize I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing. But then be able to, you know, pick my, gather myself together and figure it out. And there were some things I ended up doing very well because of my education, you know, because of what I learned at Sloan. So it, th- those things pay off. So that's why, yeah, don't look at your courses as silos. They're, they're not, you know. That's sometimes, you know, that's, I mean, that's what we try to do with Capstone. But you can also do it on the fly, you know, from day to day. Is how do you pull things together with every single one of your classes? So what I'm hearing from you from there is... In order to be successful in the professional world, no matter what your role you're in, you've got to sort of understand how to navigate ambiguity Always. and kind of the unknown. So something that I've seen, you know, even as an undergrad and even in my previous job, is that there are more people than I thought that really struggle with that and they need that kind of right. rigidity structure around them. So how do you develop those skills to learn how to navigate that? Is it just constantly as simple as putting yourself in those positions as often as possible? I'd say putting yourself in the positions helps. Stepping back and thinking is a big part of it, too. I mean, I was just thinking of an example is 
ambiguity. Let's say that you're reading that Medicare has a proposed rule that's going to really, you know, make it, uh, it's not going to be good for your business, mm -hmm. whether you're a hospital or a surgery center or a doctor. Let's say Medicare's throwing out a, in a way you're dealing with ambiguity because a proposed rule is just that, a proposed rule that gets implemented eight months later. Well, you, you might not know what's going to happen for eight months. So you have to deal with a little bit of ambiguity. So how do you handle that? And you learn how to handle those things. You do your homework. You, you, you reach out to people. You talk to people. You find out exactly what the impact is going to be, and you can model those things. And then you, then you learn how to manage it. And then sometimes you learn how to manage it in your head. And once you learn how to manage it in your head, you can explain it to the people that work for you and with you. That's, that's, that's kind of a little too simplistic. No, I mean, that's how I learned how to really do. just are that simple, yeah. And I learned how to deal with ambiguity by kind of doing, you do your homework, you study something. Yeah. Um, for example, if somebody says, well, this is going to, you're going to, this is going to reduce your reimbursements by 3, 3%. You check and make sure that that's going to reduce your reimbursements by 3%. Don't necessarily believe that what somebody's telling you is true. You do your homework, figure it out. We've given you the tools to do it. And that's how I learned how to do it is I'd go actually, you know, you'd go figure things out on your own. Yeah. Um, when you have to do some financial analysis on a new business you're looking at or you know, done valuations for purchasing businesses, you do the numbers, you run the numbers, and you, you, know, you, you, you actually do this, you know, due diligence isn't the right word here because it's a little bit more involved than that. But you just start um, banging around in the dark. You know, you're kind of hitting the walls and you, you're kind of going in circles at first, but sooner or later you'll find out You'll kind of, you know, you'll be banging around less and less and less. You'll be moving forward. But I find a lot of it, you, you, you learn by just, by, by studying, doing your homework, asking people, admit you don't know, mm -hmm. and, and going forward that way. So on it the flip side of that, something that I, I tend to struggle with, and I'm sure there's plenty of people in our class who struggle with this as well, is it's very easy to get lost in the day-to-day -day things. Where like, you know, I got to go to finance and I got to get an A on this finance oh, test. Yeah. Like, how how do you do? You have any advice for somebody who might be struggling with that? And how do you take a step back and understand? You know what? Like, the grades are important. Obviously, I want to do well, but it's you know the the on the scope of things, it's like who's really going to check your finance test grade? You know, like it's all about building those skills, having those experiences outside of the classroom. What are some steps that people can take to really pull back and look at the big picture? Just have in mind always, because in a business you do your day-to-day -day stuff, you know, uh, the day goes, it's literally day-to-day. -day. You know, you do, it, every day starts and you get there at 7 and you leave at 5 or 6. You know, you have your day-to-day -day stuff. But then on some days you have to step back and go, okay, wait, where am I going? Where are my new customers going to come from? What's my strategy here? You know, do I have some quality issues I need to, you know, fix for the long term? You always have to step back and take a break and look at what your long-term goals are. In Sloan, the long-term goals are simple in a way. It's, it's to get a professional degree and, and get a job. Right. So you always have to step back from burying yourself in your books and take a step back and go, oh, you know, do I need to look at some jobs? Do I need to talk to, you know, Brooke, Julie, Sean, uh, any of us, Tony? Um, have I applied somewhere? Have I looked at this industry? You always have to step back at Sloan and kind of give some thought about what kind of job opportunities there are out there for you. That's an example. I mean, that's the way I look at sometimes, yeah, you do get caught up in some of the day-to-day the -day grind. Yeah. But, you know, your GPAs don't matter as much as you think. <laughs> I mean, I've been trying to tell them. They don't believe me. No, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's too many Sloanies out there 
with with low GPAs that have incredible jobs. You, you know, I probably won't ever tell you who they are. If they tell you who they are themselves, that's fine. But the grades don't always. There's too many. There's too many skills that go into running a business, for example, or being successful that just aren't. That we don't even teach sometimes. Right. But you know, how, which class do you take that teaches you how to be persuasive? I was born with it. Okay. Can you sell? <laughs> you're a good salesman. Are you yeah. pers- being persuasive? Is has power, and that's sometimes you can come up with this beautiful spreadsheet. You know, you know all the numbers. You've got it dialed in. But you can't convince anybody because you can't present the material in a in a cohesive manner that people will listen to, understand, and accept. Well, it comes back That's to that, advocacy. Com- that comms class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, advocacy. Yep. That's what advocacy is. You know, and um, you know, I had a lobbyist once. I was ready. I was going to testify before the in Texas at the legislature, oh, wow. and, and wow. I had my testimony all written out. You know, I had like and we had two minutes, but I had it all. I had all my figures. All my numbers on two sheets of paper, and my lobbyist, and he was a friend. I, you know, I showed it to him, and he goes, "You can't do that. You can't. They're not going <laughs> to listen to you." He says, "Just tell them what you think. Tell them how you feel. You know, just give them your gut feeling about this. You know, boil it down. You've got two minutes. Do it in a minute and a half." And that's what I did. I just compl- I threw it out. I didn't throw it out. I kept it, but I folded it up, put it away, and I did. I, I put down what I felt, what I thought, what I knew what I knew about my business. And I, instead of just regurgitating numbers and telling them that probably would have, they would have just gone glassy eyed with, I delivered a different message that was a little more effective. So sometimes that ability to be persuasive and to advocate a position um, is, is very, very important. Uh, you know, I'd imagine, you know, Pete Banco, yeah, he was a classmate. Uh, he's gotta be a convincing guy. I mean, look where he's gotten. You know, there's a lot of positions that we have that sometimes, um, a lot of you know, a lot of skills we have, but the ability to convince people to go a certain way, or to, to follow you, or to go with you, or to be able to do things is, is important. So I want to ask you now about something that I'm really passionate about, being in Sloan, is like case competitions. Like I love this. I love going and like getting a group together, people that you might not like necessarily work with in uh, in the program like when i went to hymns and got to work with gene and madden there were people who i knew in the class yeah but hadn't really gotten a chance to like work closely with and so to have that opportunity is fantastic um i also really love competing against the other programs in the country to kind of see how we measure up. i know isn't it fun yeah and i'm, I'm just like i know i people have often said that you know like you're, you're kind of the the advisor i think right so well i know most of the classes most of the case competitions fall either under sean or i okay Okay. So you're, but I'm sorry, I cut no, you. No, no, that's okay. I was, that's was my question was going to be is like, what, what is your role there, and how do you sort of envision building out this interest? Because I think from my class particularly, there seems to be a lot of interest in competing. We're, in we're actually still trying to figure it out, and you'll notice, you know, we, we, I try to do a, the case competitions a different way to assemble the teams. Back, I think I was emailing you guys in December, January, because yeah. assembling the teams, we don't really have a solid structure for it. Maybe in the fall, with some, with the help of the new person that might come in, um, she's a, what is it, a trailing faculty member. I forget, but she might help us with this. Uh, we don't exactly know how to structure. Some some programs actually have competitions within the program, and they select the best students, the best, you know, quotes, right. students for the sure. cases. You compete against each other. Well, Sean, I don't think that's necessarily a good opportunity, a good approach. Because it doesn't give everybody an opportunity to, to do what you just described. Right. To work with your classmates, to go out, to learn, 
to have fun, and to see how you do against your peers. Yeah, That's really the fun part. And we don't think that having one or two teams do all the case competitions is the way to go. So in a way, we have to come up with something that is a little bit more on the fly, right. but gives students more opportunities. So that's kind of why I'm giving it's a non-answer Yeah. because we don't have a structured system to select teams. Um, as long as we show we have students interested in the cases, that's a good thing right now. Right. Because as you described, as you said, the experience, when I go to UAB and I watch our team and I watch all the other teams compete, you know, it's nice to win, but it's one of those places where not winning has its, has its reward. You know, it's, it's really interesting. That? Because you're learning a lot. Yeah. You see how other people respond to the same stressors, mm -hmm. to the same case. You see how they think about it. You see that how they approach it. You're learning. You know, the team that went this, this year to UAB, they learned. Whether you, you realize it or not, they learned a lot going to, when you went to HIMSS. Mm -hmm. You learn by being in that environment, by being with your team, and by seeing how the other teams presented their material. Right. So that's... Uh, you can't replace it. Katie Cole, you know, class of 2017, she described it one day after after we had gone, after we had finished presenting, and she described it so eloquently. You know, I tried to write it down, and I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, just like, it's one of those moments where I went, oh, no, really? You just tumbled you know? off of that peak. Well, see, so uh, something that I've noticed amongst other programs, and, you know, we'll just name drop UAB here, is that they've got kind of like that dedicated coach or consultant. Um, and going through hymns, that's something that I think our team could have benefited from is having that like kind of sounding board who's like currently in the industry or like within kind of the sector that we're working on, things like that. Um, can I ask you if you've got any plans or are there any plans for administration to kind of build that portion out? Well, on that, and that's where I think Sean and I look at it the same way, the rules say that it's independent student work. Right. So that's why we don't, we don't go there. Yeah. But it's one of the, I don't know, I, I I was, I was raised pretty black and white with some of those things. Sure, and, yeah. and that's one of those. It's supposed to be independent student work. I think the teams that are using coaches that are involving too many people outside of the students that are selected for that case, if they go outside that, I think that's I – I, I just have to say it's wrong. Yeah. I think it's wrong. I just It's one of those things I, I just don't – maybe that's kind of the way – in healthcare, you'll find the same thing. This is how sometimes fraud and abuse happens. Well, everybody else was doing it. Right. Everybody else was billing. Everybody else was pushing the limits on observation. How you guys follow the deal with observation care. Yeah. yeah. How they bill for, well, that's, a, that's a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it a scam, but it, people game it. Well, and you're going to go into a hospital and you're going to say, well, everybody else is gaming it. This is a good example of one of those things, well, just because everybody else games it doesn't mean we game it. Tony's hot takes, everybody. That's integrity. <laughs> no, I think I that's you a have very to have compelling. It. Yeah, that's a very compelling so, stance. And that's the, a terrible thing. If we, if I did the opposite, in a way I would be teaching the wrong thing. I'm supposed to be teaching you. I'm I, supposed to be teaching you integrity. I'm supposed to be teaching you to follow the rules, to play by the rules, not to break them. And that's one of those things where, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll stick by it. But I found that, it, you know, having run a lot of healthcare organizations, it's very easy to fall to say, okay, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is aggressive with the billing. Everybody else is up coding. Uh, back when you know, back in the day, it was uh, it was unbundling. You don't do it just because it makes you a buck, even though a lot of people do it. I didn't. So you draw a line somewhere, and that's and I did draw the line, and I was you know I was, I'm very good at that. I don't mind saying no sometimes. 
so take the alley with it. Yeah, absolutely. So if so, you know, sorry, I mean it's not going to help you for your cases. No, but, no, that's okay. But it, it does. It, I don't know. I sleep better at night. Sure. That was a mix of shots fired and integrity. I love it. No, I. It's it's, it's something that I had questioned. Like you know, we like, whenever I sign up for a case comp, you always get the thing. Oh, it's students only. Students only. And I didn't but, realize they specified. Yeah, it's pretty not clear on the any front. involvement. It, it, it actually says not to distribute the case that you get in the email with anyone. Yeah. Wow. So I get it. You see, I didn't forward the case to anybody. They have it. You, the students have it. Yeah. Because it says not to be shared with anybody outside of the team. So you play by the rules. So I know there's a limited number of, not a limited number of competitions, but some are held, I think, to a different reputation or standard than others. I mean, obviously, the UAB one is kind of like the mecca everyone wants to go. What would you say to students in the class of 20? Uh, 20, the incoming class of 2021, if they want to get involved in these competitions, what are some things that they can do to really get ahead of it? Um, the important part is making sure you can present. Yeah. I think the presentation skills are what they're, what they're looking for. you got to be able to present the material convincingly. So you have to be able to present and be comfortable in a crowd. You, you can't just struggle through a presentation. Um, you have to understand the material and be able to articulate it. So that's important. Um, there are plenty of case competitions and plenty of ways to practice because not everybody's going to be really good at it uh, off the fly. Right. But I think you know being able to you know speak comfortably in a group is, is in a presentation situation is important. Mm-hmm. I mean you have to understand the material, but most of the material it crosses boundaries. You know you're going to have a little chunk of finance, a chunk of marketing strategy, accounting. You'll have you know a little bit of everything, population health in there. So understanding a little bit of that stuff, as we said when I was a student, you know back all the people that I learned from said, if you want to be a hospital administrator, you got to be a generalist. Don't be a whiz at finance. Don't be a whiz at this. Just be a generalist. Understand a little bit about everything. And that was the best. That was really good advice. We talk I, about that all the I time. I know a little yeah. bit about everything. You know, and you kind of realize what you don't know. But it helps to know a little bit about everything and be curious about a lot. And that's probably, that's probably really, you know, that's the way you guys should look at it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to be geniuses at, 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 at finance. You really don't. You just have to understand. You should it. tell Rich Curtis that. I know. <laughs> I probably have. <laughs> he's very nice. You know, no, he's very I, yeah. kind. Um, but that's kind of, you know, you have to know a little bit about everything because, you know, in healthcare and operations, every day you get thrown something different. You'll get thrown an HR issue one day. The next day you're going to be thrown a physician credentialing issue. The next day it's going to be a quality issue. The next day it's going to be something with billing and coding, the next day your computer system, you're not gonna, your general ledger is going to be messed up because you're not coding things. You know, every day is different. That's why I like running businesses is every single day is different. So when you have that, you can understand a little bit about everything and not be completely lost when some of those things come across your desk. If I didn't, you know, with the anesthesiologist, I was fortunate. You know, my mother was an anesthesiologist and I always had good relationships with anesthesia. But the first, all the surgery centers I ran, and the first one particularly, the guy was, um, you know, he was on the medical staff at Harvard, and we ended up hiring him. But, you know, Dan would explain everything to me about how the anesthesia worked, how the how the gases worked, how they were vaporized. You know, he it was and it was and I sp- I sponged it all up because that was necessary for me to do my job. So that's when you know you guys do the same thing. You understand yeah. a little bit, of, and I, I'm not going to give anesthesia. I'm not going to be in it. I'm not going to give anesthesia. But I bet it sure understands. It sure helps to understand how it works. Wow. So I want to. I want to take this on a bit of a lighter note. I think before we uh, get towards the wrap up here, uh, I understand that you have an Instagram account. 
What? You're an amateur photographer or a professional photographer. I, I did know. it for a while. I did that for a while, too. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? And, and oh, I always loved you know, How have I never known this? I thought you I told you about this. No. Oh, you got to follow yeah, me. Yeah, my Instagram account is just, you just photographs. There, you, there's no photos of me. Oh, there's... There's just pictures I take. Yeah, I've always liked photography. I started it in high school. And it's been one of those things. I even did it professionally for a little bit. Really? Way before... Yep. Hold way on before. now. What are we considering as professional? A commercial <laughs> photographer. Okay. I was right. a member of the American Society of you know, Magazine Photographers or Media Photographers. Oh, now. that's official. And a, yeah. a freelance I'll photographer. I'll give you the pass. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like photography. It's a good hobby. Um, and I like it. It's just one of those things that allows me to be creative. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I had my own, you know, I used to have my own darkroom. I sold it. And now in hindsight, probably should have kept it. But I dragged that darkroom around. I went from all over the U.S. <laughs> and finally, at some point, I said, I just got to get rid of this. I'm never going to use it again. That was when digital came around. Mm. And now, in hindsight, I'd probably use it again. Because, you know, there's a certain appeal to the analog process. Oh, yeah. Even though I like digital, the, 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 some of the prints that I have in my office, I could not have printed them in, in the analog format. So those are your prints? Yeah, I mean, I, I took the picture, processed the film, and printed the image. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, I love and so you don't have your dark room while being in Ithaca. Right, but I do have a, uh, a I have a high quality printer that I can make beautiful prints from. Okay. So that's 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 so I replaced in a way my wet dark room with a with a printer, and you do inst- you know the processing happens now on the computer, and I try to process my images in such a way that they're it resembles what I would have been able to do in the dark room and not beyond, so I don't push things. Like yesterday, Courtney and I were playing with FaceTone. You know the face smoothing? No. You, you can actually you can download an app that'll smooth your skin out. Oh really? Oh yeah. Really? Makes your skin look like porcelain. What's the, uh, and I was like, what's the name of that app? Uh, <laughs> you have fun with that. Google face retouching. <laughs> I don't do that. To me, you know, I take I I take the photograph and and work with it and try to alter only what I would be able to alter in the darkroom. So I, I limit how much digital technology I bring into the mix right. when I process my photographs. I wish I knew this sooner. Oh, it's a great yeah, I would stop yeah. wasting our conversations about healthcare and I just talk about <laughs> photography's fun. Well, what are some of your favorite places to go around in Ithaca and take a look at and, and photograph? In Ithaca, I haven't done as much. I mean, I, I, it's nice to go out to, um, you know, the falls and stuff, but I don't have a lot of pictures of waterfalls. I usually travel and take pictures. Oh, okay. So, you know, I went to, like, when, when I went to Denali, I have a beautiful photograph of Mount Denali with the moon rising behind it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's, and that's what I like doing. So, and some years I, I go back and forth. Some years I'm really productive. You know, I'll take tens of thousands of images. And some years, not even that, not even that many. It just comes and goes. But it's, it's, a, it's one of those hobbies that's, it's, it's a good hobby because it's one of those hobbies that you can get better at it as you age. Yeah. Right. So you can start it, and as long as you stay with it, you can actually, if you're really serious about it, right. it's one of those lifelong things that you can always get better at. And I do. I'm always looking to do something a little bit better and different. Do you look at cycling that way? Yeah, cycling too. Cycling is a way to. It's a way to stay healthy. But I'm not that. I, I mean, and I don't. I'm not competitive in the sense that I like to race against other cyclists. Right. I like cycling for my health, and while it's nice to go fast and and to, you know, go up a hill a little bit faster than you did the the, the week before, I, I don't live and die by that. Right. And I have a friend that uh, he's we cycle a lot in Texas and. He, had a, he has a website called Smell the Roses, and it was basically because, you know, when we go riding, we'd stop to take time to smell the roses, but we'd ride 60 miles. Right. <laughs> but that was it. You know, you, you kind of, 
you kind of give yourself time to do things that are that are enjoyable. Did you so, ever do the MS-150 from Houston, Austin? I never did that. I no? Tried, I signed up for it once, and, and I ended up having to cancel it. Oh, man. But that's, yeah, and, and you know they do it from west, east to west? Yeah. Into the wind. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I got buddies back home that do it every year. I know. First of all, their tan lines are not something you'd ever be jealous of in your life. I mean, the, sh- the biking shorts and right. the t-shirts, oh, yeah. it's, it's a good like, look, isn't it? yeah, it's like black and white. I know. And it's a nice sharp line. Yeah, <laughs> very distinct. And they're like, That's oh, I finished. Line. I'm going to drink a ton of beer. And I'm like, I don't know if it's worth it to look the way that you look right now. <laughs> Where do they stop? They camp out in LaGrange, I think. Yeah, LaGrange. Yeah, LaGrange. Yeah, night there, get some food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, the Canadian resemblance of that is when we go skiing for too long and it's sunny, we get the raccoon tan. Raccoon tan, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Joe Tassi, uh, the EIR, yeah. he's doing what's called Ragbri this year. They ride across Iowa. Oh, wow. That's like a week-long ride. It's one of the most well-known bicycle rides in the country. He's doing that. He, he said, you want to do this? I was like, oh. Oh. It's, well, it's the first week in July. I don't know if I can get my miles in by then. Okay. But you have some good cyclists. You know, Tyler, Tyler's yeah. a time trialist. Yeah. Uh, he's fast. Um, Dan you know, went across the country. Yep. Dan? Yeah. Dan, yeah, Dan Johnson. Dan Johnson went across the country. Sean, Sean rides. You know, we have uh, Ashley. You know, we have some. Yeah, that's right. Cycling's good. It keeps me from, I, I like, I don't mind running, but it's, I don't. I, I get sometimes bored with running, but I wish I could run a little bit more. So what are some other hobbies that we're not aware of? Crosswords. Crosswords. Oh, yeah. I always take a crossword puzzle book. There was me. a crossword competition at the local middle school. Oh, not, not that good. Not that good. Did you hear he said middle school? Middle. Oh, middle school. It was at the middle school. Oh, oh it was at the middle school. From what I understand, there were a lot of uh, oh, crossword yeah. aficionados. Yeah, you got crossword puzzle oh, people that okay. crank the New York Times Sunday crossword out. In a I, do the, of, I do the mini New York Times yeah, crossword. Yeah, and I can do up to Wednesday or so on the New York Times. Right. I like crosswords. What else? Photography, cycling, crossword puzzles. I love to cook. Right. Favorite so, dish to cook? I don't have a favorite dish. It just depends on my mood. Okay. Because in the summer, I eat a lot of gazpacho, so that's my ah, favorite dish in the summer. Okay. You know, and it, I just make, you know, just depending on what... What you have. Just what I feel like eating. Right. Like, I don't know what I'm having for dinner tonight, but I'll figure it out. Neither do I, but Neither I have you. no ingredients. <laughs> you, you have no ingredients? Nothing <laughs> in the fridge? Nothing in the I'll fridge. I'll go to the fridge and I'll go, what's in here? <laughs> Well, there was one day you were walking by me, and I'm like, what's for dinner? And you said, probably queso and chips. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, chips and salsa. Queso and chips. I don't have a cheese for it. Oh, I had that at a party last night. Yeah. Fantastic. There's nothing like a good bowl of chips and queso. I know. And I've never had and queso, and, and I have no interest. Are you serious? I don't like cheese in that way. Oh, you're lactose intolerant, though. That means nothing. That's, oh, that's a, <laughs> no, no, no. That, that should be it. No, that's a problem to my surroundings, not me. I'll <laughs> enjoy anyway, it. Man, you have environmental lived, hazard. You had a good bowl of queso, man. Yeah, I love chips and salsa, yeah. chips and queso. I like salsa. But it's, you know, it's it's a good thing. Well, really quickly, I uh, on the website for the listeners that um, are, are, have tuned, in, been here for now. tuned in this long, <laughs> uh, Tony's website is www.antoniohermangerman.com. You have you a can, website? You can also yeah, follow no, him on not. Instagram. I've got to update it to WordPress. A-G-F-A-P-A-N. Uh, I made that website. Are you doing the WordPress with the ad option? Or? No, what I, that's an old Google Sites I created, very basic. But what I want to do is update it to WordPress, you know, download a theme. Right. And then I'll put my photo. You know, one of the interact, one of the themes now that's a little bit. Yeah. You just download the theme and plug your stuff in. No, WordPress that's makes amazing. it super simple. Yeah. I know. I got to update the Sloan website too, though. We should get paid for that. <laughs> we need to start bringing in some paid sponsors. Well, that's where my priority sits. See, I'm going to do the Sloan website before I do my website. Right. Well, that's good to hear from the executive director. That's right. Yeah. And one last question before we wrap up, and we ask this to everyone. 
any advice for young professionals going into the workforce? And if I may add, any advice for any uh, current first-year MHA students of any program that's looking for an internship? Uh, the only, what, what, that's good. That's a good question because there's so much advice to give. I'd we say, can stay for another be hour. Be open-minded <laughs> about your careers and you know talk to as many people. We throw a lot at you here while you're at Sloan is to basically see what sticks and what you like. Stop to think what you like. Work for good people. You know, if you like what you're doing, if you're working for good people, you'll have a good career. So realize that. But it's hard to sometimes we don't we don't always look at those two components of, of our work life. Right. But give it give it some thought. It's that's the one I can come up with right now. I love it. Fantastic. I don't think there's anything more to say. No, I think that's a great note to end on. Tony, thank you so much for being here. This this really has been a lot of fun. This hour and a half Honestly, really, really flew by. Yeah, yeah, it did. Didn't it, it really I did. Know. It really yeah, did. Yeah, no complaints. This is fun. It is getting warm in here, though. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. What is this? The, uh, well, that's because the door happens to be open. This by a six open. by six room. Oh, I guess. Yeah. 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 So it's like almost like a prison cell. Except with its foam stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's just for effect. You can rub it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> our conversation with Tony Herman, again, executive director of the Sloan program, someone that I thoroughly enjoy talking to every day, and um, I know Anand shares the same sentiment, so we thought he'd be a great guest uh, for today's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. I know Anand's sitting here kind of giddy. Yeah. What'd you think? Well, I, I, I just thought it was a lot of fun. You know, going into Tony's office and kind of chatting with him about school and, and grabbing mints and hanging out is fine. And, you know, it's it's uh, I think it's a nice break in the day. Yeah. But I think what we really got here is sort of an insight into why Tony is the way that he is. And so, you know, why are some things important to him? Um, you know, and I just think it gives a totally different perspective to somebody who you see every day but maybe might not know as well as you think. Get to know the person next to you guys. Yeah. And I just really quickly, I know it might have got cut off in the interview there, but I want to plug Tony's Instagram one more time. There's really some fantastic, <laughs> there's some really good photos on here. And so um, I really recommend you checking it out. It's um, just Tony Armand at A-G-F-A-P-A-N. So uh, if you got a little bit of extra time on your Instagram scroll, uh, go give the man a follow.